Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here's Dickow from the deep corner for three. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's on now. Downtown Dan connects. Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. I mean, I've seen Dan Dickow hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. Welcome to another episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow, for SB Live Sports. Today's guest someone that I connected with for the first time way back in high school. This would have been 1995, 1996, as he was an assistant coach at the Naval Academy. Currently an assistant coach at Michigan State. It was nice to reconnect with him a few years back as he spent a year or so uh, under Coach Mark Few at Gonzaga. Coach Doug Wojcik. Doug, thanks for joining. Uh, How has the Hmm. transition um being back to almost normal for college basketball in the summertime been for you well great great to see you dan it's it's, it's so awesome to, to connect and hard to believe that i did a home visit with you 26 years ago or or yeah i guess i guess it's been that long but uh it's uh it's really interesting so we're two weeks away from school being in session here we're a campus of fifty two thousand students so for the last 18 months, we really come to the office by ourselves. There really hasn't been that many people around. Our players live across the street from the Breslin Center, and we're somewhat self-contained here. But it will be interesting to see how it all goes. We we do not play a home football game until September 11th. So I think that that weekend will be the weekend that we feel like, okay, pretty much campus is back to normal um, and, and seeing everybody in kind of the Spartan spirit. I touched on in the intro the first time that we connected. I was a high school player. I had a tremendous high school coach in Eric Yord, who's become a, a close friend and mentor to me. He's no longer coaching. He's just in the business world. But you played uh, high school basketball for a tremendous coach in Skip Prosser, who went on to play, or excuse me, coach at a number of stops in college and have a tremendous amount of success. How lucky were you to play for for such a good coach in person in high school, and how did that help shape you? Uh, it's a tremendous gift. I mean, it's it's a great question. Not many people really connect me with Skip, and unfortunately, people forget that Skip uh, a little bit just because he he passed away, um, you know, in I think two thousand and seven now. But uh, unbelievably lucky coming from a small town. We both came from small towns, um, so to to be well coached for somebody that is motivated as he was to go on to college. Uh, if people don't remember him, uh, he took three schools to the NCAA tournament. He took Loyola Maryland to the NCAA tournament and then took uh, Xavier to the NCAA tournament and then took over at Wake Forest and recruited Chris Paul, who's still getting it done at the NBA level. So very, very fortunate, probably besides my father, he's the biggest mentor I had early in life, uh, created the dream uh, work ethic uh, short, sort of showed me how to go about it. Used to drive us to Pittsburgh and play and pick up games up there. Five-star camp, uh, took us all over the place. Had his own two sons. His youngest son is the 
the head coach at Winthrop University in South Carolina now. So he sacrificed his own time as a father to spend time with me and my teammates. And we went on to win the uh, our first uh, state title uh, in West Virginia. So uh, tremendous opportunity for me, but also a great mentor that really led me to what I'm doing now. And this is my 32nd year of Division One coaching. Well, 32nd year being involved as a coach at the division level, many times people or coaches get involved or get that coaching bug because as a player, they're around it and they don't want to let it go. But as a high school player being recruited, I'm sure by a number of, of different schools, you made a decision to play for the Naval Academy. And I remember when you recruited me way back in high school, talking about the discipline, uh, talking about the standards uh, in the code of conduct and different things that would have to be upheld. Uh, it, it wasn't for me, but it was definitely for, for a lot of student athletes. It was for you. What was the attraction for you to go to the Naval Academy and, and play basketball there? I just thought it was just in a unique place. Now, I, I did not grow up in a military home, so I can tell you that just like you, I was no different uh, where there was going to be some transition. You know, there was going to be the, home, the phone call home where I want to quit. I don't know what this is all about. Um, but in the back of my mind, I think I was driven to always, you know, be from a place that, you know, was always going to be something that was special. And uh, to this day, uh, it's funny, we're talking, uh, we just had to cancel. Uh, we were going to have a team reunion in Lake Tahoe, uh, Lake Tahoe this year. So my teammates were special people. And as you, you and I spoke before we, you know, started to record, when you have a chance to go win uh, in a, such a unique place, you know, and in your case there at the time, Gonzaga was such a unique place that you won. You just have a tendency to keep in touch with those kind of people and those teammates. So really proud that, uh, you know, I represented my country, served my country. My wife is a graduate. She's from out your way, uh, grew up in Eugene and then and then Bainbridge Island, Washington. So we're both proud to have spent time as, uh, in the service and as, as veterans. Um, and it's just a unique conversation piece as we as we age and we have a great group of people that are our, our, you know, our teammates, our, our classmates. Um, and it's like a big fraternity. One of your most famous, or I'm sure your most famous teammates uh, yeah. is one of the best basketball players of all time. Top 50 dream teamer. Uh, you played in college with David Robinson. Uh, what was that experience like? Because if I remember correctly in, in reading stories and in watching videos and things, he just kind of progressed throughout the course of his career until he was an, an absolute bona fide number one dra draft pick, but he had to spend the two-year commitment after college before going to the NBA. Tell us a little bit about him and, and how good of a player he was. And I'm imagining a person when you read about all the things he's doing post-playing career. Yeah, I mean, very, very true, very accurate, uh, Dan. I, I think that's part of the legacy of, you know, you know, my feelings towards being a Naval Academy grad is certainly David didn't go to the Naval Academy thinking that he was going to be an NBA player. I mean, it, I, I, I kind of describe him as Haley's Comet, you know, is just unique. The true story is he was probably about a, a six, eight, 190 pounds when he entered. And you could just see him get better and better and better and better and better. The game was played a little bit differently back then. We weren't playing with ball screens and things like that. So we were throwing it into him 
you know, quite a bit. Um, and uh, you could just see him developing and developing and developing. And by the time we graduated, he was 7'1", 235 pounds and just a supreme athlete. Um, very, very, very intelligent. Um, so he went there for all the right reasons. You know, in today's world, Dan, he probably would not stay at the academy. And yet you look back and you think of branding and you think of the nickname, the Admiral, all of that has sort of helped him in his, in his, uh, you know, post basketball career. So he's got this unique brand. He's a veteran. He's an NBA MVP scoring champ champion. Just he's won every award you can ever win rookie of the year. Um, and it was a unique thing, a unique time. Um, for us, when we went to the Naval Academy, you always heard about Roger Staubach's football team, right? I mean, that's all you ever heard about. Mm-hmm. And it's a good thing. In, in our case, I mean, Navy football is, you know, bigger than Navy basketball. But in our case, I got to play with our our version of Roger Staubach on the, on the basketball side and, and being David Robinson. David's three sons are thriving. The one son just played in the NBA uh, Summer League with the Spurs. Um been married to the same woman has three boys uh, just just a overall you know success story so your time at the naval academy is that where you caught the bug to want to be a coach because if i'm correct you have a commitment after your playing yeah. career or after your college experience at the naval academy you have to do a a tour of duty or whatever it's called but did you know you wanted to come back and get into coaching yeah i did i i, I kind of go through this real quick for 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 your listeners and you did say it correctly, David's commitment, the, the, the typical commitment is five years as a naval officer. So David grew to 7-1. He couldn't serve on a submarine, a ship. All, all that stuff was pretty unhealthy for him. And then he became the college player of the year and the number one pick in the draft. So they, they, were, they were smart and I thought did the right thing. They reversed his commitment from five years active duty that I had to two years active duty, and then five years inactive reserves for David. In my case, I was five years active duty, and then I had two years of inactive reserves beyond that. Um, I just, um, I, you know, you've really hit on some great things. You know, I, you know, we had so much success, right? Like you've never left the game, right? Like you start off at Washington, you go to Gonzaga, you have an NBA career, you're training kids, you're you know, my own kids are players. So, um, you know, it's just never really left me. I knew I wanted to be around it, but Skip Prosser was a big part of that. So he was my mentor. He was a division one coach by then. He kind of taught me how to recruit and be detailed and take notes and things like that. Um, and then I knew that I was in a unique situation, um, at Navy, just like you were kind of unique initially at Gonzaga and, you know, the, the initial success, um, in my case, I knew that I could be a great recruiter at Navy. So I kind of turned that into a positive for myself. I went to my ship. I served on my ship my first three years. And so then in the spring of 1990, I still had two years of military active duty service and they rotated me to shore duty. Some people rotate to say the Pentagon. Some people rotate to University of Washington to teach ROTC in my case, I rotated back to the Naval Academy. And so then I got to become an, um, the military assistant coach while I was still serving. So, you know, I, I, I really was able to parlay it into my second career. 
I got out of the Navy in 92. I worked as the military assistant for two years, and then they hired me as the full-time civilian assistant, you know, with a coaching career in my future in 1992. So it really worked out great for me. I really was able to do a lot of things. And fortunately, the Navy kind of allowed me to do that um, while I was still serving my time. That's fascinating. I really had no idea how how that can work and how that did work uh, in your instance. So you, you grow your coaching philosophy, your platform, your experience level. Uh, most assistant coaches get the bug to test out themselves at the highest level of being a head coach. What was that like for you making the transition uh, to being a head coach, not only at Tulsa, but at Charleston? So for as, a, as an assistant, at what point do you know that you're ready? And then how do you share that with other assistants that are up and coming? Yeah, I don't know if you ever know if you're ready. Uh, every every situation is different, right? Um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing that I, I look at my what my wife and I did is uh, we were not afraid to move. We were not afraid to get out of our comfort zone. So um, I, you know, I, I worked for really hard at Navy for nine years. Um, we went to three NCAA tournaments in 94 and 97 and 98. I got rewarded by Matt Doherty. Matt Doherty was an assistant at Davidson and then at Kansas. And then he got the head job at Notre Dame. And basically we were friends, but we weren't that close, but he just watched me from a distance, um, saw our success and he rewarded me with the opportunity to go to Notre Dame. And that was the big break I got. Little did I know that a year later we'd be at North Carolina. Um, Notre Dame was a very, very good fit for me. Uh, Notre Dame and Navy, they play in football every year. They have a wonderful relationship because the two universities, Navy kind of saved Notre Dame back in the in World War II. So there was a good fit there. Um, but I don't know if you ever really know that you're ready. Um, um, but I had great experience. I had Navy at the low Division I level. You know, Notre Dame, we kind of revived it in a year. And then North Carolina, my gosh, I'm at the forefront of things. And then I'm working for Tom Izzo. So I felt like at 40, I was really prepared. The biggest challenge for us was really to kind of go to another region of the country. You know, I was an East Coast guy. I recruited nationally. Uh, and then all of a sudden we're in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So from a, you know, I, we have two kids. Uh, I, I don't have a, any, we don't have any grandparents around to help us raise the kids. Uh, I'm a first time head coach. Uh, so from that perspective, we had to reach down and circle the wagons and kind of, she helped me do it and had great success over seven years. And, um, you know, and then, and then to Charleston. So um, I, I think there's a lot of things that you can, you, you make mistakes at. I think there's a, uh, a lot of things that you can improve, but then there's a lot of things I look back and go, man, did we, wow, we really did a lot of things there at, at Tulsa. That transition to, to uh, transition Tulsa and Charleston to higher rank conferences. It was kind of like that time frame when conference realignment was going on. So that was a challenge. But, um, you know, looking back, it was uh, a lot of work. Uh, as you know, you've got four kids or five. I can't remember. Six. No, six. <laughs> we've had uh, another one since, yeah. Uh, yeah, since so we six. last saw each other six. in Spokane. Yeah. So six. So we, you know, we have the two and you just sort of, you know, you try to manage that and all you have time for is your job and, and trying to raise your kids. And, um, 
um, look back and now we've got two college age kids and couldn't be happier with where they are with their development. After you were head coach at Carl College of Charleston, you came to Spokane and that's where we reconnected a few years back. Uh, you were a special assistant to Coach Few for a season. Um, what makes Coach Few so unique and so special? Because uh, as a former player, he doesn't necessarily take himself seriously, yet he takes things seriously and he takes yep. things seriously that impact winning um he's yep. not about all the extracurriculars what would your overall take be on coach few and then the gonzaga program yeah wow that's a great question really really unique situation um and mark deserves so much credit for just everything about building it into what it is today um, i will say this more than anything else the one thing i took from them is they have supreme supreme game day confidence. I mean, just they expect to win. Uh, and that was from Mark to Tommy to be Mike, you know, on down the line, all the way down. Uh, unique fan base, incredibly supportive. Um, and then I used to always preach this just because I'm a, uh, I'm, you know, a head coach at, at a place like Tulsa. A lot of people in Tulsa would sit there and say, well, we were, we were Gonzaga before Gonzaga right in the 90s with uh, Tubby and then Steve Robinson and then Bill Self. But the difference is, and I used to always say, it was just no one ever listened to me. <laughs> you know, what Gonzaga has been able to do is they've been able to retain Mark. And so now you're sitting there as a former great player there, you're in town, you, you're raising your family, you have your businesses, Casey Calvary's there. There's this, just this unbelievable alumni network and everyone can relate to Fuey because everyone has some connection to Fuey. And that in itself is just incredible. It's sort of what we have at Michigan State. Tom has been here 37 years. And that kind of continuity, besides great coaching, besides great players, besides great support, really kind of allows everyone to feel a piece of the program. And that, to me, is the unique thing about Gonzaga. Yeah, that, that, that is very insightful. You know, transitioning to Coach Izzo, I've never had a chance to meet Coach. Uh, okay. In 2001, we played Michigan State when he was the head coach um, in the NCAA tournament in the Sweet 16. We lost. They had a loaded team. Jason Richardson, Zach Randolph, Aloysius Anagania, I mean, Charlie Bell. It was a loaded team. But he is one of the coaches that, have, that I see from an outsider's perspective has stayed true to what he feels is important in basketball and in life. And I think he gets a bad rap at times um, from people who truly don't understand him or his approach. I personally think it's great. What is Coach Izzo like to work with and watch him work on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, the thing that I'd say is that the bad rap is just, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, know it or see it or, or, you know, really follow that other than the fact that he's just, he's about accountability. And there's nothing wrong. I mean, I, I, used, I say to people all the time, well, well wait a minute, did, did, did you have children? Do you have children? What was it like to raise your children? If there's no accountability and there's no rules, then people get to do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it. And he just doesn't believe successful organizations can be built that way. And so uh, I, I, I get consistency from him. Um, I, I get effort from him. 
Um, you know, I don't, I know where I stand on a daily basis. And I think most people would love to have the truth. Um, he's going to speak the truth. Um, he knows a lot of things about a lot of things. He's been here a long time. So, um, you know, some of these things going on today, um, you know, he just doesn't truly believe in he, you know, the transfer portal is, you know, he, he thinks that there's reasons to transfer. I mean, my son Paxson is like a son to him. He understands why Paxson transferred. No problem. Coaching change, a lot of change. But just to say, oh, things aren't going right, I'm going to transfer. But on the flip side of that, Dan, I will say this. The unique thing about Tom Izzo, he's going to put his time in. He's putting his time in with your son. And if he brings a kid here, he's going to make sure to – to his best ability, that kid's successful because he's going to hold himself accountable. It's, why did I bring him here? I'm not going to just recruit over him. I'm not going to just change our roster just to change our roster. I'm going to make it work until it doesn't work. So you can't fault somebody for that kind of effort. You can't fault somebody for that kind of commitment because he's really truly committed, not only to basketball, but he's truly committed to Michigan State University. That's awesome. I, I love hearing those yeah. descriptions about coach because like i said I've, i haven't met him but I, I i respect him what he's accomplished and i really uh, appreciate his approach um and his passion for the game and his players i think that's the biggest thing i see is the passion for his players because every coach has a passion to win but what yeah. i see is Izzo, coach Izzo has a passion for his players so staying on the topic of being a coach mm -hmm. whether it's an assistant or a head coach and you mentioned your your son paxton who um, you have two sons that play at the college level, Denim and Paxson. What is more nerve wracking for you being in a timeout in an end of game situation as a coach or watching them play uh, as a father? Well, it's funny. I, I, it's a great question. I, I feel like I'm even a better coach now because of my kids. I really do. Um, I get it. I understand it. Uh, the recruiting process. I mean, Dan, you work guys out. So what parents generally don't understand is, okay, if we're at this event in Indianapolis and there's hundreds of kids running around, I say, well, okay, multiply that by 40 places around the country with the same amount of kids. So to realize how hard it truly is, right? Like I'm sure your kid's a good player because he's around it all the time. Um, but then to make it, you know, and what's making it nowadays, you know, is it having the career you had? You're special. I mean, you had a special, special, special experience. In my case, I had a special experience. I took it to the, to the highest level I could possibly take it to. So from that perspective, I'm a better coach now because my two kids got recruited. I know what that process is. I know it's hard. Um, the one thing that I really appreciate here is if we take you, if we offer you, we don't offer a lot and we stay within our blueprint of the Midwest, because Tom feels as if, you know, if a kid doesn't have skin in the game as far as the Big Ten and doesn't understand what it's like to go to Purdue or doesn't understand the Michigan rivalry or Ohio State, it's just too easy to transfer, you know. So we're going to we're going to stay in our uh, stay within our blueprint of, you know, Ohio, Indiana, Michigan, Illinois, Wisconsin. Um, but what I love about coach is just you know, the obligation to the individual. Um, I just don't see it a lot across the country. Um, and I'm a better parent by, 
by seeing all that. But I can tell you this, you're more nervous with your own child than you are, you know, with someone else's child, you know what I mean? So, so you just, but, but, you know, we've seen, I've seen it from so many angles now, right? Like, um, you know, uh, but boy, your kid's at the free throw line and he misses a free throw. I mean, that's going to hurt a hell of a lot more <laughs> when it's someone else's kid. But but it has helped me. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I, I've i had a great ride as a, as a father. And uh, I mean, I don't know if you remember me pulling in the, in the Spokane, but we 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 uh, drove two cars ac- across the country. We roll in there. People open their arms to us. And and that kind of was the beginning of our kids kind of movement because then our kids went to boarding school uh they they you had to seek out a in a way a shoe sponsored travel team to get the exposure that you needed um and so uh yeah i, I think my your own child makes you a little bit more nervous than than just coaching the team <laughs> that's awesome i might have to uh call you for some advice oh, yeah. in the next couple of years if my son keeps progressing but You'll, you'll, have to go play for, you'll, you'll probably have to go play for Washington Supreme out of uh, out of Seattle or something. Who, who's he playing for right now? Uh, Eastern Washington Elite. Uh, okay. I coached a group with Eastern Washington yep. Elite uh, this summer who I know is, your son's is, played for. Yeah. Is Jamie still involved? Jamie Nillis is still the director of yeah. Eastern Washington Elite. They do a really nice job regionally. But you mentioned Washington Supreme. Yeah. Carl Howell's been a guest on yep. my podcast. Yep. He's, he's one of the best as far as getting AAU teams to play in a style that college coaches want to be able to evaluate players in. Yeah. Carl knows, you know, it's kind of cool, Dan, you'll appreciate this. So when Denham committed to Harvard last May, you know, we made, we didn't make him. We just suggested, um, you know, we made sure that Stacy Boyd there in Spokane who coached him and Joe few and Tyson early. And then, Jamie, we we called all those guys just to let them know that he made his commitment because all of those people have something to do with your, your your journey as an individual player. And I appreciate everything those guys do on the youth level to kind of help kids get where they hope to go. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Doug. I appreciate right, you joining. Dude. And yeah. uh, hopefully with my college basketball analyst travels, uh, yeah. our paths will cross no, no doubt, man. Hey, wish you and the be- you and the family the best. And uh, anytime you need some, we'll try to get Izzo on here. How's that sound? I would love that. I would love yeah. to hear Coach Izzo's philosophies on uh, life and basketball. So thanks again. <laughs> See you, Dan. Take care. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.